This is the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Sport Pens International Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. We have another great show on tap. Before we welcome our guests, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. This helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents. With us today on the program is author Linda Flanagan. She wrote the book, Take Back the Game. We're going to talk to her a little bit about that today. Linda, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Um, Linda sent me a copy of the book. I happened to see a little bit of buzz about it on Twitter, so I wanted to check it out for myself, had a chance to read it, and wanted to invite Linda on the program to talk more about it. Obviously, you know, in in all honesty and transparency, we know we have some issues in youth sports, and uh, we mm-hmm. kind of have gone down some uh, some roads that maybe we shouldn't have. Uh, but we're trying to learn from that, and hopefully, uh, you know, regain the sport back to the kids. So that's kind of the reason why we had uh, Linda on. I wanted to talk to her a little bit about some of the major points that she made in the book. The first of all being now, now just understand that Linda is. Uh, not only an author, she's a parent, she's a coach, uh, done a lot of research in regards to this book. Talk to us, first of all, a little bit mm-hmm. about the idea behind kids that are specializing year-round in just one sport. Yes, well, that's something I discovered that, and what's really surprised me is that there's virtual unanimity among everyone I spoke to and all the research I did Um surrounding the idea that specializing at a young age is a bad idea, Um, that there's really no one defending that idea from a kid's long-term well-being or, you know, even involvement in sports is concerned. There's just no, (laughs) no support whatsoever that I could find for arguing that early specialization is good for kids. That's separate from the organizations encouraging kids and parents to you know, have their kids specialize at a young age. That's a different, you know, um, that's a different issue. But the medical community, the orthopedics, you know, trainers associations say this is a bad idea. Obviously, we're um, we're seeing a lot more injuries. We're seeing a lot more um, things that are just not good for the kids because of that specialization. What have you been finding in regards to those injuries? Well, if we're talking about um, the injuries tied to specialization, half of sports injuries are overuse injuries, which means half of all sports injuries are preventable. And this is something that sports doctors have been trying to sound the alarm on for years. They've been talking about it for ages. And, you know, I think it's important to remember that apart from the overuse injuries, there's also sort of catastrophic injuries that kids get increasingly at much higher rates than they ever used to, including the Tommy John surgery, which, you know, young kids are getting, it used to be unheard of. Now it's kind of routine and ACL tears. Um, I had looked at uh, in Boston, the number went up, went from about 500 surgeries in 2004 to 2,500 in 2014. Um, And what the sports doctors I've spoken to have said that what's, so terrible about this is that it's become normalized you know it's normalized and parents think and kids hope that it's just a blip that they'll get back to it you know we just need to fix it and unfortunately it might take nine or ten or eleven months 
with an ACL tear. These doctors have pointed out, these are not things that can actually be entirely repaired. In 10 years, many of these kids are gonna have arthritis. That means they're gonna be limping around for a long time. And I, and I think it's, you know, injuries are a part of sports. I recognize that. And I would be the last person to say we should bubble wrap kids and make sure they're, you know, completely free of any possible danger, a little bumper scrape. But there are some injuries tied, to, especially those tied to overuse that are preventable and that can be lasting. And that's what I think we ought to be thinking a little bit more about with our with our kids and whether or not it's really in their long-term interest to be doing such uh, intensive training at younger and younger ages. One part of your book that I enjoyed, and I really think uh, a light needs to be shed on this more and more often, um, irresponsible behavior from coaches and parents, spectators. Uh, talk to us what you found out in regards yeah. to that. Well, I mean, you know, everybody has a story because all you have to do is go to go to any game, any youth sports event, maybe short of tennis where, you know, you're supposed to be quiet and there's just yelling and screaming and it's it's gotten worse. Um, in one survey, uh, as far as coaches are concerned, 82% of coaches, this is a Syracuse study of high school coaches said that parent behavior had gotten worse. And this was a 2016 study. You can only imagine what it's like now. In that same study, 58% of coaches said they'd considered quitting because of parent behavior. As a parent who's, I mean, sorry, as a coach, wearing my coach hat for a minute, um, having been on the receiving end of some of that, you, I understand that feeling of like, why am I doing this? No, this is who's being served by my coaching with if parents are so angry and, you know, that pay is, you know, really not significant and you can't do it for the pay, you do it for the kids. I think most coaches probably do it for the kids, but there's so much flack coaches get. In many cases, it's really unfair. At the same time, um, coaches can, are, many coaches are out of control as well. And I think they're, they resort to the primal scream uh, when things don't go right. And, you know, sometimes there's bullying and there's physical kind of this, this, this strange thing in sports where uh, coaches punish kids with exercise, which to me seems so warped because aren't we supposed to be encouraging saying exercise is great and we want to love this. So no, go out and run half a mile. I, you know, I, I think that's, it's really retrograde and unhelpful. And um, I think coaches resort to these kinds of methods in part because they're not well-trained. Coach training is entirely insufficient and in part because it's just the way we do things and it's it's okay. Nobody says, don't do that or that's a bad idea and here's why. Even if there's you know evidence showing that screaming and yelling is not motivating to kids, it's not how you teach kids, it's not how to make them better. It's the way we do things and it's like a cultural meme to some extent, you know, look at all the sports movies. It, you know, this, the shrieking coach is kind of like just part of the culture. And so we, we tolerate it, but it isn't helpful. I, you know, I sadly admit that I wasn't to that extreme of the yelling and screaming kind of thing, but I, I was a poor coach and then I got educated a little bit more mm -hmm. and it's amazing how it changes your perception and, and, and makes you a better coach and also makes it more enjoyable for the players when you have that knowledge and be able to support and 
um, instruct and, 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 you know, meet the kids where they are yeah. as opposed to, you know, making them come to where you are and your expectations and things along that line. Right. But I think right. that education component is so important. It is. And fair. And, you know, youth sports coaches get virtually no training. I think it's something like 5%. I was a youth sports coach too. I coached my son in baseball. I had nothing, you know, and I, I played softball. So I, I understood the sport well enough and I had kids. So, you know, I figured I could do it, but and also it's really hard to get coaches. So I understand that leagues don't want to impose more burdens on the, the gracious volunteers who are willing to step up in the first place. But at the same time, it it would make you a better coach and be help you be more effective with kids on the team if you had some, even a minimal training. Yep, I agree. We're speaking to uh, Linda Flanagan, author of the book, Take Back the Game, which is available now. Um, another big point and, and subject that you had in the book was how sports is taken away from the family life. Can you talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I you know, the, there's shockingly little research on this, despite the fact that, uh, you know, if you look around you and depending on where you lived, kind of community you're in, uh, families splitting up on weekends, one, you know, if assuming they're married or uh, two-parent household, one kid takes, you know, one child to one tournament and the other parent takes the other child to another tournament in a different state or wherever. And it, there's a relentless, a relentlessness to youth sports. Um, and it's, it's very hard on, it's hard on marriages. It's hard on siblings. Um, there's very little on marriages, but with siblings, the research that has been done suggests that um, the younger child in a, if there were two kids, the younger child, the older one is a good athlete. The younger one is either going to differentiate and say, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to get attention that way. I can't measure up or will follow that path. So, you know, in a way, the, the sports kind of dictate the terms of the younger kids development. And, you know, I, if you have kids, you know, you, probably realize that kids are acutely conscious of any perception, any perceived imbalance in attention and affection. And when sports demands so much time and money, I mean, it's the astronomical amounts of really time even, you know, in one study I found 19% of um, parents spent 20 hours a week or more on their kids' sports. And, you know, something's got to give. There's uh, opportunity costs there. You know, time spent with one kid isn't spent with another. Time spent on the kids' sports isn't spent with a, a partner or friends or, you know, it's it's very disruptive to families. And it's, it's a hard thing to talk about because I think many parents uh, assume that, well, this is a good thing. This is, we're doing this for our kids. So it's the right thing to do. You know, like, it's not like, motivated out of malice or anything. It's just, well, this is what good parents do. And that's a really a real burden on marriages and it's a burden on siblings and it's sometimes extended family. If you can't make it to anybody's, you know, your grandmother's 80th birthday or a special occasion in the summer, um, it, there's, a t there's a cost. And I'm glad you use that word burden because not only is, is, is sometimes it can be, cause I mean, I had two, I have two children um, that played through college and um, we were separated a lot. One was swim, one was soccer. So, I mean, we were always going separate ways. 
uh, anniversaries, birthdays were always floated just because of uh, these events and stuff. But as we wrap up things here on the podcast uh, with author Linda Flanagan, talk to us about the burden when it comes to costs, because sometimes in youth sports, we get to that point where cost is an issue. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's there are various ways of calculating the cost. And if you look at the Aspen Institute Sports and Society Programs estimates, which some have been some criticized this number for being too low, but they have concluded that the average family spends $693 per child per sport per year. So, you know, depending on how many kids you have, how many sports they play, that can really add up. If in another survey that looked at families who just sent their kids to um, the private sports, um, you know, not the cheap rec stuff or team programs, 27% paid $500 a month per child per sport. So, you know, it, it's, it runs the gamut. And some sports, as we know, are astronomically expensive and prohibitive, like ice hockey. Others are pretty cheap, like track and field, uh, you know, um, skateboarding. But it it becomes a burden for fa- another burden. And, um, you know, it, many families make enormous sacrifices financially in order to pay for those sports in 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 a way that a financial advisor would probably not advise them. We'd probably say, uh, not a good use of your money if you're thinking about the future, because very, very few kids even go on to play in college, let alone get any kind of money in college. So if, if you're, you know, taking a second job in order to pay for a child's um, private club team, say, and the hope is the kid's going to get recruited and is going to, you know, we're going to get a free ride. That's a pipe dream. And which isn't to say you shouldn't like encourage sports. I'm always like, feel I have to come back and say, but sports are great and you want kids to play and teams, you can, in a good team, a great coach, kids can learn so much. It's just, if you're doing it with the idea that this is going to pay off somehow down the road, that's probably not wise. Yeah. I mean, if you would have just saved that money, you would have been able to pay off your child's college education many times over, I'm sure. Um, or pay for a, a, tu- a, a some kind of educational tutor, improve the grades, right. you know, like there's all kinds of ways in, but, you know, it, it's paying for sports is a little sexier. And I think uh, it just doesn't translate into better outcomes at the end of the day. Yep, I agree. Uh, Linda Flanagan, author of the book, Take Back the Game. Where can uh, people go to find this? Uh, anywhere books are sold, as they say. And, uh, oh, and I should add, Marcus, that I am... Um, if any parents or coaches have stories they want to share with me, I'm like, I'm eager to hear more stories from parents. I have a website and you can email me, um, lindaflanaganauthor.com. And, you know, I'm, I'm eager to hear from people about their experiences, positive and negative. And it, there's both to be had in sports. Absolutely. What's the website? It's lindaflanagan underscore author.com. .com. Excellent. Linda Flanagan, author of the book, Take Back the Game. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to the show. Remember, make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network or find us on our social media platforms at WVSoccer. 
Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.